This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. I can't believe I'm saying this. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line by the one and only Jennifer Aniston. Why did Jennifer Aniston start a hair care company? Because she was tired of choosing between hair products that work and hair products that are actually good for us. But thanks to Lola V, we never have to choose again. No silicones, no sulfates, parabens, or gluten. And of course, it's cruelty-free and vegan. The glossing detangler and perfect conditioner are my personal favorites. Not only do they repair the look of damaged hair, but they also shield it from future harm. The first step to unlocking confidence in your dating life and your daily life is feeling confident about your hair. So unlock Jennifer Aniston approved hair at lolav.com. And as listeners of Seeing Other People, you're getting an exclusive 15% off off of your entire order when you use code Seeing Other People at checkout. That's 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com with promo code Seeing Other People. Please note you can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After your purchase, they will ask you where you heard about them. Please, please, please support Seeing Other People and let them know that I sent you. Hey guys, it's Alana and you're listening to Seeing Other People Unfiltered. Each Thursday on Unfiltered, I'll be bringing on a different anonymous guest to open up about their real life dating experiences. We'll discuss what they went through or are going through, how they navigated it, what they've learned and what advice they have to anyone else going through something similar. Unfiltered is your reminder that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on Unfiltered, please email your story to seeingotherpeoplepodcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode. Real people, real stories, real life. This is Seeing Other People Unfiltered. On today's episode, I sit down with a woman who shares her story about being diagnosed with vaginismus. Vaginismus is a condition in which the vaginal muscles contract involuntarily during any form of vaginal penetration. Depending on the woman, the effects of vaginismus can vary from mild discomfort to severe pain. She shares what it was like to receive her diagnosis and how it's impacted her dating life and daily life ever since. Seeing Other People Unfiltered is presented by Mindset Wellness CBD. If you haven't tried Mindset Wellness CBD or any CBD for that matter, you are missing out. Mindset Wellness CBD's products, all of their gummies are gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, organic, and they taste incredible. They've helped my anxiety. They've helped me sleep at night, and I couldn't recommend them more highly. Head to MindsetWellnessCBD.com and use code SEEINGOTHERPEOPLE at checkout for 10% off and free shipping. All right, and we are in the episode. Thank you so much for being here. Would you mind introducing yourself and what you're here to talk about? Yeah, so my name is Anonymous, and we're here to talk about vaginismus. And it really awkwardly rhymes, I realized as I said that. <laughs> Anonymous vaginismus. Yes, yep. it does. Exactly. So um, for those who don't know, what is vaginismus? So vaginismus is basically an involuntary spasm of the pelvic floor muscles um, surrounding the vagina. And the spasm can cause painful or impossible penetration. So um, it's not just with intercourse, like it can be a tampon, a nuba ring, speculum, like any sort of penetration can basically cause this spasming of the muscles, which usually is described as like a burning sensation or a wall is come, you know, it feels like someone's hitting a wall. And it's, yeah, it's a interesting thing to work through growing up and otherwise. So um, there are two different kinds of vaginismus, actually. So the first is primary, which is what I have. And with primary, it means you've always had it to a degree. So like, while I've had sex on and off throughout the years, like I never felt comfortable with a tampon until I was 25 or 26. 
you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's secondary vaginismus, which usually comes if you've had successful penetration, but it comes later. The root cause of vaginismus, they just don't know about. <laughs> there's really? No, there's no medical like diagnosis for it. It's like, this is why vaginismus is caused. Usually it's um, based in trauma though. So um, for example, some examples I've seen with primary are you've grown up in a really religious household. And so you have this internalized shame, um, you know, assault, abuse, STIs, you know, anything like that can cause it. Um, for me personally, I'm not sure if I had a linked trauma, something my therapy and I, my therapist and I have talked about, but um, so that can happen with primary secondary is when you see it more. So like even childbirth, sometimes, you know, you give birth to a child and it doesn't want to work right after that. Right. Um, so it's very individualized and it's not something that's really well known, even though a statistic I saw, I think it's like five to 15% of women might have it. But they don't know because a lot of people don't know about it. Yeah. Wow. And I don't know I, if that includes like trans either. You know, like I was starting to think like, oh, what happens if you're trans or non-binary? So I don't even know if that statistic even includes, you know, beyond cisgender heteronormative people. Yeah. That's a really good point. Well, I mean, that's kind of wild to not know why. Like if you have the, the type one, you said it's called or the primary? Primary, yeah primary if you have a primary like the primary type to not know like why and, and where it comes from and that there's no like rhyme or reason um that sucks <laughs> like straight up when you said that because for everyone listening like this is my first time like really learning about this so I'm learning as along with you guys um my like the first thing that went through my head was like damn that sucks because usually I feel like we try and and put like we give reason to something and that's really helpful in like us making sense of it and us coming to terms with it so that's definitely something that I'm sure is like really difficult to to deal with and to navigate just not knowing like why is this happening to me um, yeah there's definitely and sometimes it can be related to something else like endometriosis sometimes it comes up there there's another um disorder called vulvodyna and that's where specifically like the vulvar entrance is what's causing you pain. Third times I'm like, maybe that's what I had, but it, at this mm -hmm. point it's, you know, it is what it is, but generally it, it you can just have vaginismus and just not have an underlying condition at all. Yeah. So at what point were you like, okay, this is not correct. Um, I should figure out what's going on here. Yeah. So it was interesting when I was thinking about it, like as I was coming into this episode, because I think in general, I've always had issues with like physical, like physicality, mm -hmm. um, which is hilarious because I love having sex now, <laughs> but I never <laughs> like, I never liked people being in my physical space and my bubble. And, you know, growing up, I was not like, I went through a really bad, awkward phase and like elementary, middle school. So like the boys never liked me. And so I think I just never trusted my body around other people. So I think that was part of it. And like tampons always freaked me out. I don't know why I remember having, you know, sex ed in fourth grade and being like, why would you stick something up there? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did skip a grade. So I got my period younger than before everyone. And just kind of, I felt like 
I was on this little island for a lot growing up. But the first time I heard about what vaginismus was, I was 19 or 20. I think I was 20. And I was going to my annual exam. And, you know, because I'm like, I need birth control because I've been dating mm-hmm. someone for two years. And, you know, my mom was like, I'm putting you on birth control before you go to college, just in case, you know. Mm-hmm. And that being said, grow up in a very sex positive household, et cetera. But, you know, I'm going to this um, doctor, this nurse practitioner. And of course, you know, you get the standard. Okay. Do you smoke? Do you drink? Are you sexually active? Okay. Yes. How many partners? Just one. You know, what's the frequency? I'm like, well, it's the same one for the last two years. And it's like, okay, well, you don't need to do a pap smear, but you know, when you turn 21, you'll probably need to start doing pap smears. And I don't remember how I got brought up, but I think at that point I was like, well, so I don't know if this is right, but sex doesn't really work a lot of times. (laughs) So you kind of like knew that there was something like, did you, did you bring it up or did something that the nurse practitioner said, like prompt you to bring it up? I think it was just my general anxiety from like Mm -hmm. the past smear. Like I was so scared of it, but I remember at points talking to friends and just being like, I don't know if this is right or if we're doing it right or like, what's the deal? Like sometimes it's painful. Like I hated fingering. Like I just, I hated it so much Mm -hmm. because it was, it felt like that wall. It's like, yeah. And nothing could get past it, even though sometimes penetration would work. But for the most part, it was like, Oh, I don't think I should be getting this much anxiety over the thought of a pap smear. Okay. See, I want to jump in here because I remember, I don't, I don't remember how old I was, but I was probably like 17 or 18. And I went to my first like gynecology appointment and they were going to do a pap smear. And I started hysterically crying. I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, no, absolutely not. And like, I sat back in the chair, like I put my legs up and I lost it. And I was like, no, 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 stop. And they were like, okay, like, that's okay. We won't do it. We'll do it next year. And I'm like, okay. And then I think the entire year, I don't know why, like I just dreaded the time that I was going to have to go back and get it. And I, I don't know why, (laughs) because I think I had a boyfriend at the time and like, we were eventually having sex, but like it was still even the thought of, I don't know what, like, I don't know the thought of like a foreign object mm-hmm. coming in me. And I, I was like, absolutely not. This is not for me. Yeah, no. And I think um, a lot of it comes down to sex education too, because, you know, we're taught, oh, here's all the ways you can get a sexually transmitted disease. Here's mm-hmm. the mechanics of sex, but we don't learn about how do we handle these situations or like women's health, you know? Um, and again, I was in high school in the late 2000s. So, you know, obviously trans and gay health were not a thing taught in public right. schools whatsoever. So it's still, again, very heteronormative. And yeah, we just, we really don't know much about women's health at all. Yeah. And so I think it puts us in a position, especially if it's with a doctor we don't know or don't trust of this intense, like, fear basically yeah and it's not like you start going to a gynecologist like just to get comfortable with them a few years before you need them it's like you show up when it's time and you're like supposed to just open up to that person and it's it's not it doesn't feel comfortable most yeah times. no it doesn't and I mean I remember when 
I went to one before I went to college when my mom's like, you're going on birth control because I just don't want you to ever be in a position that something happens. And she actually wanted to put me on the Nuva ring. She didn't want me on the pill, actually. And I Mm -hmm. was like, no, I don't like the thought of myself sticking things up there even today. I'm just like, nope, I don't, I don't like doing that myself. So, yeah. Um, so when I was at the nurse practitioner in college, you know, she looked at me and she's like, no, she's like, that's interesting. You say that. She's like, I know we just said you don't need a pap smear, but what I would like to do is just put the speculum up, see what happens. She's like, that is going to be the easiest way for me to diagnose what I think you have going on. So you know, get on the table, speculum goes, I think she barely got near it. And she's like, yeah, you have vaginismus, <laughs> you know, and it's interesting that you share that Alana too, because, you know, I wonder if sometimes it is like, oh, you can't do a pap smear, but you can do a penetration. But for me, it was all uncomfortable, yeah. no matter what. So that was the first time I had heard what that term was. And it kind of started clicking everything clicked into place for me then. Um, did it help or hurt to have a, a term attached to it to be able to define what it was? Ultimately, it helped um, in the long run. I think at the time, you know, there's so much information out there now. I think it's a lot easier. But this was, you know, 2011, 2012. I mean, like Reddit was kind of the thing. But like, you know, there just wasn't a lot of information out there. And so... When it came to that relationship, you know, I think we both of us always knew like something was kind of off and so we're like, we're going to, you know, work on it. We're going to go through it. We ended up moving in together. And then really, I think the change for me was when I had my first real pap smear because <laughs> it's pretty traumatic. Um, you know, I was out of college at that time. And so I went to the local, you know, public clinic or whatever it was. And I, for some reason, I didn't think like, let me say our vaginismus to this person. I think it's like, no, I just need to get over it. I just need to get through it. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of us as women, as women, we know that thought. It's like, just suck it up, deal with it. It's fine. Yeah. Everyone goes through this. And I started crawling up the table, crying, like even thinking about it. It's like my body shakes, like thinking about that experience and how painful it was. And I came back down, you know, once the exam was complete, you know, and obviously I'm shaking. Oh, and at one point, my phone went off with smoke on the water, which was my boss's ringtone because I forgot to put oh it on my silent. God. So I'm crawling up the table and it's like, dun, 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 playing in the background. Oh, my like, God. Oh, my gosh. Like, like a movie that? scene. I did not want this right now. So I come back down and the nurse practitioner is like, that was a very unusual reaction. And she's like, you know, have, has this ever happened to you? And of course, I'm like, kind of in this state, like, I don't really remember what I said. And then she asked if I had ever had any sexual trauma. <laughs> Which is not good bedside manners, because at that point, I hadn't had any sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. But what if I had? And then it's like what we talked about earlier, if I had, you know, and again, not, you know, nobody wants to go through that, but in my head, I'm going, at least I would explain why I have this. And Mm -hmm. I really don't have an explanation. So after that, like, I remember going home and telling my partner what happened and like how freaked out I was. And at that point, 
I think just after dating, uh, yeah, we were about dating three years at that point. It just, we just kind of stopped trying, I think. I think it was just, neither one of us was really into it. So we just kind of turned into, you know, roommates that slept in the same bed. Got it. Okay. And did that like have an impact on your relationship? Yeah, I would say so. I think, um, and it's so interesting, again, thinking back on this time versus now and how I navigate relationships and sex. But for me, sex is a trust act. Like, again, to each their own, but I don't, I don't need it to be romantic. I don't need, you know, I want it to be part of my relationship, but it's not something that I need to be like completely in love with someone or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously I did love him. He was my first partner, but, um, yeah, I think after that, it just, I think we just kind of gave up and I started, you know, flirting with other guys. I started kind of not saying I had a boyfriend because I just wanted to feel wanted. You know, I felt, I think really broken at that point. I, you know, all my other friends were getting in relationships and saying they had all these amazing experiences and I'm here going, uh, we went on a cruise together and basically didn't do anything because, mm-hmm. you know, I think we were just done and, you know, it was, and other stuff happened in the relationship and, you know, it ended as it needed to. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I definitely was trying to find validation in other places. Um, never, never cheated, but I was probably pretty close to because I was like, you don't find me attractive. I don't know if you don't find me attractive because we can't have sex or maybe it's just weren't actually not sexually compatible. And this really just became an emotionally based relationship, but Mm-hmm. it was it was hard and you know one thing that happened not so much now when I started um kind of redoing research for this but you know they say oh you can cure vaginismus because you can do x y and z and with a loving partner mm. and I'm sitting here going I just broke up with my loving partner so right. how am I supposed to navigate this now Did you know that hair thinning will happen to approximately one in two women? It is so normal, but it's not talked about, and it makes all of us going through it feel really alone and frustrated. And I'm one of those women, and I have been so self-conscious about my hair thinning and shedding for so long. That is why I'm eternally grateful that I found Nutrafol last year, and honestly, I wish I had tried it sooner. When my team asked me recently if I wanted to team up with Nutrafol, I have never said yes to something faster. Nutrafol has become a part of my routine that I can't live without because of how much it's helped me and I truly could not recommend it more highly. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And it is so easy to start your hair journey. You can take the hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root cause. Because everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth doesn't cut it. That's why Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow throughout different stages, as well as for different lifestyles like plant-based diets. And I know, I know, it can be hard to commit long-term to doing something every single day. But with Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, 
no prescription required, free shipping, and automatic delivery ensures that you'll never miss a day. And you'll see results in three to six months. If I can do it, so can you. It's kind of funny that I'm recording this right now as I'm literally about to go get a haircut because my hair is probably the longest it's ever been right now and my hair never used to grow. But now it does and it's really all thanks to Nutrafol. Plus, I am so grateful to be going into my wedding feeling confident about my hair and that is definitely not something I expected to be able to say before starting Nutrafol. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. I'm not just a girl on the go these days. I am a chicken running around with its head cut off. Two podcasts, wedding planning, wedding attending, dog momming, traveling, and trying to eat well, move my body, and stay sane all at once is not a recipe for success. That's why I've turned to my recipe masters, aka Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat meals that taste delicious, make me feel good, and take a major thing off of my to-do list. Factor's meals are pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved and there are more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, vegan, veggie, and more. Guys, I seriously can't say enough good things about Factor's meals. They take two minutes to heat up, which means I can pop them in the microwave between recordings, or I can grab a ready-made smoothie from the fridge on my way to a workout class, or I can even have dinner ready for me and Jake after a really long day of work without lifting a finger. It has changed so much and has really made me feel like there's one last thing I need to worry about. And I feel good after eating the meals. Like they're so delicious and nutritious. You can order as much or as little as you need by choosing six to 18 meals per week. And you can pause or reschedule whenever you need, which has been really helpful for me with on and off traveling that I've had over the last few months and over the next few months. And you guys know I love when things make sense financially and factor meals are less expensive than takeout. So you save money and you don't have to go anywhere to pick them up. Factors roasted garlic butter salmon and their tomato basil chicken risotto are two of my favorites that I keep ordering on repeat, but honestly, every single one of their meals has lived up to the hype. And of course, we are hooking you guys up. Head to factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 and use code seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. That's code seeingotherpeople50 at factormeals.com slash seeingotherpeople50 to get 50% off. You guys are in for a treat because support for today's episode comes from the best of the best, Jenny Kane. And yes, there is a discount, so keep on listening. You know that feeling when you get a new sweater and it instantly becomes basically another layer of your skin? Like you wear it everywhere for everything all the time. Okay, well, Jenny Kane has become my literal uniform. And if you don't know Jenny Kane, I'm pretty much about to change your life because Jenny Kane's clothes did that to mine. Jenny Kane is a California brand with luxurious staples that will transform your closet. Think minimalist and effortless, but totally refined. They have the coziest cashmere sweaters and iconic accessories that will elevate your everyday basics. I don't know if I wear my cashmere fisherman hoodie or my cropped cashmere cocoon cardigan more. All I know is that I cannot live without either of them. Whether it's a cozy night in with the girls, a dinner date with Jake, or catching a flight to Florida to see my parents, these sweaters 
are perfect for every single occasion. And I couldn't be happier when I'm wearing them because I'm so comfy. And you guys know me. I always choose comfort over how something looks. But with Jenny Kane, I don't have to choose because I get comfort and I get style. All right. So we have the discount code coming for you. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Seeing other people, listeners get 15% off their first order when you use code SOP at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com. Promo code SOP, S-O-P. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Yeah. So what did you do after after the breakup? You're now getting out there like into the dating world, really. You know that you have this. You know that this is something that's a part of you that's going to be a part of any relationship you get into. What was it like starting to date with this in the back of your mind? It was interesting. <laughs> um So in general, I think because I did so much emotional investment in that relationship, I was just like, I don't, I don't want anything emotional. And this is where I say my approach was really unconventional because, um, and we can get into it. There are many ways you can, um, work your body (laughs) in order to be able to have penetrative uh, sex or penetration in general. But for me, I was like, well, I'm just going to try and sleep with guys and see what happens. Honestly, I, you that, know. I, I feel like that's that makes sense. I feel like that that's kind of where my head goes of like, okay, I got out of this relationship. I've been blocked from like having sex successfully before. Like I feel like I would try and do that too. And maybe we're different than the rest. I don't know, but that seems like almost the normal reaction in my head and, and like the normal next step is like just try and, and see what happens and see if this can work in any way. Yeah, definitely. And I will say the first guy afterwards that, you know, he is uh, bisexual. And so I think Mm -hmm. that actually really helped having someone who understood the spectrum of sexuality. Because that's the other thing. And I know we talked about it briefly earlier. But, you know, vaginus is when people think about it, they think penis and vagina. When we talk Mm -hmm. about virginity, you think penis and vagina. There isn't this whole other spectrum of what you can have and how you can have intimate relations with a partner. Yeah. And so I think he, and again, I've, you know, been with guys where some of them are like, whatever, we'll figure it out. No big deal. You know, I actually had, I think probably more positive than negative reactions for the most part. But I think specifically having this guy after coming off a pretty emotionally intense relationship and, you know, you're living together, all of that really helped. And I think it just really showed that, you know, a lot of it's patience and just finding a partner that is willing to do that. Yeah. You know, Um, but that being said, it's not a fun topic to bring up when, you know, you're about to go home with someone or you're making out and you're like, "Uh, Hey, by the way. Yeah. So how does that conversation unfold? How do you actually approach it? Um, I have taken multiple ways. Sometimes I just was like, I'm just not going to say anything and see what happens. Um, like, like that pap smear. <laughs> exactly. Just like, let's just see what happens. Um, obviously that was not, that did not go very well for me. And so really it was just, you know, if we start making out or if it sounds like, oh, I'm going to go home with them. It's like, Hey, I, this sounds like it's jumping the gun, <laughs> but Intercourse is not the most fun for me sometimes. 
Um, my joke was, and I didn't always say this in the moment, but when I talk to people about what I have, it's like Gandalf with the um, staff. Oh my and God. It's like, you yeah. shall not pass. And that's what my vagina yeah, yeah, does. Yeah. yeah, you said that in the email and it gave me a good laugh. <laughs> so, you know, it just makes it a light, a more lighthearted approach of like, you know, we can do other things, but, you know, just what a heads have, up. One of those... What have the reactions been? Because before you said mostly positive, but there have been some negative. So I'm curious as to how, A, how people have reacted, but B, also like what would the ideal reaction be? Let's say if someone's listening and next week somebody tells them, hey, I have vaginismus. Yeah. Like what would you want to hear? Yeah. So I think for the most part, I think guys maybe when I say it's positive reactions, I think in their head, they're like, oh, it's fine. We'll figure it out. You know, like challenge Um, accepted. Yeah. Like we'll figure it out. It's fine. And then you get there and you're like, oh, so actually like things are closing up. You know, sometimes my thigh, uh, especially in the beginning, they would just close up. It's like, no matter what. And that's the thing that sucks is no matter how much you want it, your body is rejecting it. Yeah. So it feels like your body's rejecting this person, even though mentally that's not what is happening at all, you know? And so I think at that point, the guys would just kind of get confused, you know, like, oh, wait, this is what you mean. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, but then I would have guys that were like, hey, that's not a problem. Let's just do other stuff or let's just hang out. Um, but in general, I haven't, other than maybe like two or three people, I've never had sex more than with the same person two or three times. Just, you know, part of it is like, maybe it is the one night and they're like, oh, this is too much work. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I think that's part of the reason why I jump into sex a lot sooner than, I mean, we have hookup culture. We have that, you know, I'm not the not normal out of my friends, but I think I right. do jump into it quicker because part of me is like, let's just get it over with. Either we know it's going to work or it won't. And, you know, rather know now than down the line. Cause I've not had good experiences with waiting either. So. Okay. That was going to, that was going to be my next question is like, if you did wait, would it maybe be a difference with like a comfort level or something, but it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, my two, off the top of my head, my two most negative experiences, um, you know, my friends were like, well, have you tried, like, just waiting and seeing and just dating and see if you like them and maybe that'll help. Um, one found, so I posted on Ask Men, like, I think, this was a few years ago, so this must have been at least six years ago, because I had just moved to Los Angeles and was na- really navigating, like, what Tinder mm-hmm. was like, what you know, really trying to casual date at that point. And, you know, you're in New York and I know you visited LA with like so many choices and how do you do all of that? Um, Especially when I did not have that experience in college at all. So I posted on Ask Men, just like, hey, um, so I have this thing um, and I am casually dating. How would you want someone to bring it up to you or is it a deal breaker? And of course, some guys are like, well, just bring it up. Some guys were like, well, you can always do anal. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that's not the answer I'm looking for. Thank you very much. Question, does, um, does the same thing happen if you were to try? Like, does that same, like, do you tense up and are you like, 
thou shall not pass. I just, I just am like not interested. I'm just like, yeah. okay, that, no. I, yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah. yeah. I, feel um, I mean, I did see a post <laughs> this morning that someone did have it successfully. And I'm like, good for you. You know, that's just mm-hmm. not my deal. Yeah. At all. Um, <laughs> but I think people do wonder, it's like, can you just do it the other way? I'm like, Mm-mm. right. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I had this post and I was stupid <laughs> And my Reddit username was the same as my OkCupid username, which I just didn't even think about it, you know? And I mean, who so, would ever think about that? Yeah. So I, like, saw this guy, and I knew, like, after a couple of dates, and it's like, oh, I'm just going to go and make out. Like, we made out, and that was it. And then even by the time he came over and we did have sex, which it worked, I mean, I can't say it was like enjoyable because I just wasn't into him, you know, at that mm. point. And does that suck? Know, I, Wait, not to cut you off, but does that suck? Like yeah. if it does work with someone and then you're like, eh, but I don't like them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I actually have this note on my phone and it just says things and it has all the men I've ever been sexual with by year. And I have a little asterisk if penetration worked. Ah. trying to see if there's like a pattern and sometimes it's like nope there's not really a pattern sometimes it's right. just it is what it is um but yeah it, it does suck we were just like well I guess it worked <laughs> like great so I broke up with him and I did it over text again the more we know now but I was like you know you're great but like I'm just not really feeling it and he just went okay and I think the next day he texted me, he's like, well, it's not like I pressured you into anything and like your vaginismus didn't flare up. And I never talked to him about it. And I was like, what the fuck? He's like, well, you should be careful of what you post on the internet. Cause he found my Reddit profile and just threw it back in my face. Oh my God. I, okay. Everyone listening can't see this, but my jaw literally just dropped. <laughs> Holy shit. Confirmed her jaw did drop. <laughs> what yeah. like that's also like not cool at all I mean fine it's one thing like yes like we all stalk people on the internet that's fine but don't like throw it back in your face like you were like that's not cool not with something that's like that intimate too you know yeah and it's like yes I put it on the internet just like hey I'm on this podcast and I'm sure if one of my friends heard this they would know like okay this is you know yeah my friend Anonymous. But still, it's like why would you do that to anybody period like if you find something like unless it's like okay you're a secretly serial killer that's not right here um so yeah like and I think I was shopping with a friend and got that text and I was just like what the hell (laughs) you know oh my god um and then the other time was this other guy where I don't think we even kissed and all and then he came over for dinner and he got freaked out about the condom and was saying, oh, we couldn't get it up because of condoms. And I'm sitting here going, well, just because you don't like condoms does not mean it's a sexual dysfunction. Like, so I was yeah. trying to say, like, no, like, it's okay. Like, I know this thing. But for some reason, and, like, we've been drinking some, but not, like, excessive or anything. So I'm, like, yeah, not understanding what's going on. And so the next morning he texted me, was like, hey, you know, I still had a good time last time last night. Forget about all that other stuff. And I am not proud that I hardcore ghosted. (laughs) Like I did not know how to respond to that. Cause I'm here going, if you're freaked out about that, there's no way you'll ever accept me. You know, was I think the thought going through my head. 
Yeah, that's that's te- definitely tough. And I also I do wonder, and and we'll have to get um a guy to chime in on this, but I do wonder how much of that whole like oh I can't get it up with a condom on is true, or versus like I just don't want to put a condom on, um, which is something I've always wondered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the irony is, um, I mean, maybe I can try more so now, but actually, uh, condoms do irritate it. So I, Mm. yeah. And I don't think it's a latex allergy. Like I've tried non-latex condoms, but I do notice my body tenses up a lot more. So that is not the best sexual health wise, but, um, you know, so it's a catch 22 where it's like, Oh, I don't have to worry about condoms, but also I probably have a higher risk. Right. Because of that. So, um, and again, I think it just comes down to anything else. Like, again, um, one way that you can um, cure vaginismus, quote unquote, is um, through dilators. And so they actually have these different dilators that come in different sizes. So you start with, you know, one that's like, I don't think it's even as big as a tampon, you know, Mm -hmm. and you insert that. And then you slowly, as you get used to it, you work up to bigger ones. I never did that. I just have like a toy. And even that I hate using, like my body tenses mm-hmm. up. I think like if it's anything I'm consciously putting in me, yeah, my body just shuts it down. And so I think a condom, I think almost reminds my body like, oh, this doesn't feel right. This is like a foreign object. Again, that's what happens to me. I can't say that will happen to everyone right. that has vaginismus, but we're getting all the dirty details here. <laughs> right now. I love it. No, it's great. That's, that's what we want here. My, I guess I'm wondering, have you talked to other people? I know you mentioned like going on Reddit and, and the like ask men and stuff, but have you talked to other people with vaginismus and, and kind of learned from each other, like swap stories and to try and navigate it? Um, I'm pretty much a lurker, so not so much, but I do have friends that have said, oh yeah, sex can be kind of painful. And I'm just sitting mm-hmm. here going, well, I have a mess. Like I, you know, I get where you're coming from and it just never goes anywhere. Like I think yeah. especially if you don't have a doctor that knows or a therapist that really knows what it is. Um, I got very lucky that I've had, some really amazing nurse practitioners over the years, you know, that have been really supportive, you know, have made pelvic exams a lot more bearable than the first traumatizing one. Um, But I think in general, we're taught to not talk about sex in general. So it's like, if you're already uncomfortable talking about sex, it's even another level of, oh, well, something's wrong with me. How do I even talk about that? So the few times I've tried to engage with friends and I feel like I'm pretty upfront with them now. Like I've just gotten very used to this being in my vernacular, in my language. It's yeah. just, it, the conversation just doesn't go anywhere. So it's a pretty, it's pretty isolating to have this. It is so interesting. The more people I talk to with these unfiltered episodes and, and different topics, the more it's so clear that like the most important things and the things that impact us and our like daily lives and our well-being and our happiness the most seem to be the things that nobody knows how to talk about and the things that make people the most uncomfortable. But if we did learn how to communicate it, we'd all be better for it. Which yeah. is like, it's just so frustrating. It sucks. 
It does. Like, that's you know, really tough. It's on the opposite spectrum. Um, and if this doesn't pertain, like, feel free to cut it. But my best friend is actually a fertility practitioner. And so she deals with, um, like, I think it's NFP if you're within the Catholic Church and FAM if it's secular. I should know mm-hmm. this by now. But, you know, she deals with charting and she deals with, you know, how do you avoid pregnancy, et cetera. And she's also a lactation consultant. And, you know, I was visiting her in New Jersey a few weeks ago and like, I learned so much about like breastfeeding and all that stuff that I just don't know. I'm very single, very much not partnered. She's my... Oh, I don't know a thing about breastfeeding at right? all. Like, like not a thing. <laughs> but the stuff she talks about, she's like, there. these are just things that women don't talk about. So it's not yeah. just like, if you're having painful sex, it's okay if you can't get the baby to latch, you know, that's really traumatizing or embarrassing for the mother if they're trying to breastfeed. And so I think in general with women's sexuality, we're just taught to not talk about it, you know, and it's rooted in all these experiments from the 1800s, right? Hysterics comes, hysterectomy and hysterics, right? It's the woman's crazy, therefore, you know, and it's so... Yeah, it's isolating, but this is, I think, you know, one of the good things with social media and the internet is that we are able to reach out and talk Mm -hmm. to more people or at least be able to find the information now. Yeah. One question now going off of the breastfeeding thing um, that makes me think babies, that makes me wonder when it comes to actually, like, if you do decide, like, okay, I found somebody, this works, whatever, um, and you decide you want to have a kid, like, how are you able to like, like does penetrative sex work well enough for you? And for most people that you can get pregnant, is that even like in the realm of possibility or is that something where you would shut down? Um, I mean, at this point I would consider myself basically cured. Like sometimes there is some discomfort with certain positions, but for the most part, like, yeah, if I wanted to get pregnant, I could now, I don't know, you know, let's see if I'm 29, 10 years ago, I don't know if that would have been the case. Or, you know, one thing I was thinking about is, you know, do women go through injections or IVF? Like if they can, they really want to have kids. Um, Mm -hmm. But to me, I feel like if I wasn't where I was, childbirth would be pretty traumatizing. Um, And right now I'm not, yeah. And right now I'm not called to have kids. So um, I've been joking with my friends, like I'd probably be a good stepmom. Not that I want (laughs) to be right now, but I have no problem not having kids, but that's interesting because I wonder if part of that is, well, I already know I have issues down there. Right. You yeah. Know? Um, IUD, I've thought about getting an IUD for a long time and switching from the pill, but I'm like, I don't want to put myself through that, you know, because I know how bad the pain can get. And part of me doesn't want to do anything that would backslide back into that. That makes sense. Cause it, you definitely could, I imagine like, end up almost going back to like where you started if you Mm -hmm. go through a really like painful or traumatizing experience. And I know friends who got IUDs put in and um, it was like 15 hours of straight pain. And then the IUD like moved or got like there was an infection or something and then they had to get it taken out and another one put back in. And so, yeah, I take birth control every day because I'm even afraid of that. Mm -hmm. So it would probably make my life easier. I'm like, nope, no, thank you. Um, Yeah. So now do you think that like the way you went about it in terms of like just getting out there, trying to like date and like sleep with people when 
that made sense. Like, do you think that is part of the reason why you're quote unquote cured where like you just, you did it, like you had experiences, some good, some bad, but ultimately like you gave your body the amount of time it needed to like get used to it. That's a good way of putting it. Um, I think so. I will say, you know, the way I wouldn't say the way I went about it was probably the most emotionally healthy way in the sense that I really disconnected my emotions and sex, which I, you know, I think a lot of us do in this hookup culture. But for me, I was almost so scared of being rejected by myself if the sex didn't work that it was just easier for me to just dive in and know right away, like, Mm -hmm. this isn't going to work. Um, You know, that's not the case for all women. Some, you know, some people really need to have that emotional connection to even get to that point. So I kind of did it backwards and I think I had enough decent partners throughout the years that like, again, just the more you get practice into it um, and the more situations I put myself in, the more comfortable I was able to be. Um, I will say probably my last two situationships before COVID because they were more emotionally based. And I think it was the first time I felt, one was kind of a fuckboy situation, but the last one, um, you know, the first time it's like, oh, I can have sex with someone and we can just hang out and talk and still keep having sex. And you're not like leaving right away, you know, and you mm-hmm. want to be around, you know, um, as painful as that situation ended up being for me emotionally, um, just, you know, he was getting over someone. We tried staying friends and then started dating someone and didn't tell me, even though like clearly we had a connection, you know, all this stuff. Love like that. It's Not great. But ultimately, you know, I think the lesson I learned from there is like, yes, I can have that. And I would say that has probably been one of the most impactful relationships as far as like feeling like, oh, I can have this. Like this is attainable. Yeah. Like you can have both that physical and emotional connection and, and, it is possible to have what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just, you know, and it's, when it's something inside you, like I do have a friend that's going through erectile dysfunction right now, um, you know, in their thirties, just, he had accidents. Like there's it's so many things out of his control that happen, and it's not for reasons one would think. And it's hard because we were talking the other day that like, you know, again, like I said, with women's health, like it's invisible. You don't see women's health with men. Yeah. You do. So even the conversations he has are going to be entirely different than the conversations I'm going to have mm-hmm. with a guy, you know? And as far as like, I don't know if I ever felt like less, less as a woman, you know? Um, and again, coming from a very cisgendered um, perspective, I don't know if I've ever felt less than a woman, but I definitely felt less than you know, and, you know, I'm sure men go through the same thing when they have stuff going on, too. And I think, ultimately, you know, when we come into intimate partnerships, we want to make sure we're not passing judgment on them and their experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because I do feel like, and I hate that this is part of, like, dating and hookup culture, but I feel like I have gotten texts from friends, like, over the years where it's like, the date was great, but then I went back and like, he couldn't get it up or he couldn't keep it up. And it was just like, I'm not going to like deal with this again. And like, I don't want to see him again. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like for me, that would never, I guess just like, we're all different. Like for me, that would never really be like 
the the factor that I'm like, well, not going to get past this, but it it really is for some people. And I think there's a lot more pressure on guys that like, like sexually, they have to have their shit together. And like, it's not like, that's not realistic, especially like as, as you get older, like, of course, that's, it's the realistic thing is that like people will have erectile dysfunction and, and people will not be able to have sex or obviously like women have the biological clock and stuff. And it's just, there's so much pressure like in from everyone on every angle that like sex is just like a thing that happens and a thing that works. And that's what we're taught from movies and books and TV shows and the media. And it's just like, that's, I feel like it's more realistic for it to not work and not be great and perfect. And like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and I've totally had situations where it's like, okay, the guy didn't, couldn't get it up either. Whether it's like we were out drinking or, you know, right. who knows, but it's like, okay. You know, it's giving me a sense of acceptance. Like, doesn't always work for yeah. me too. Like, let's just hang out and talk. Like, there was one guy where it's like, yeah, I think he couldn't get it up. And I think I got nervous and, you know, it didn't go anywhere, but we just chatted in bed for an hour, you know? And it's like, yeah. And I think, okay, I think that's, that's important fine. is like not just getting up and leaving and be like, okay, well then we're done here. Like be, mm-hmm. be empathetic, be a human. It's like, okay, this one thing didn't happen, but there's still a person that you can like have a nice time with. And I think we need to like be a lot more considerate about sexual experiences that don't go the way that we want them to. And and don't just like discount somebody because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thinking back on the guy who freaked out with the condom, you know, maybe I could have offered more grace in that situation. But I, again, I think my traumas were so triggered that I didn't know how to yeah. at that point. Um, plus, like, we still randomly follow each other on Instagram and he has this great girlfriend. <laughs> and, you know, there, there were things that I was like, yeah, I don't know if I'm really as into him. As I yeah. thought either. Um, but you know, I've been in a situation where I didn't give grace for that. And we I, we all have. I'm sure yeah. we all have, you know. Like none of us are perfect. I'm not here saying like I've been a saint in every single <laughs> situation I've been in. Um, I guess I'm wondering because part I remember the email you sent me, it mentioned like how when you go either on like Reddit threads or in different places where you read about people who have been diagnosed with vaginismus, it's like these people, their biggest fear is that like, they're never going to have like fulfilling relationships and like sex lives, but like just relationships in general. And I'm wondering like, what if like, if you experienced that and, and what that feeling is like based on vaginismus specifically, because I can imagine that that's like the most heartbreaking thing. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, absolutely. Like, again, part of the reason I think it hasn't been, well, we're going to take COVID out of the picture because COVID, I was a depressive mess the whole time. So like nothing happened happened for me in COVID, but up until that point, it really wasn't until 2019 where I finally was like, oh, maybe I deserve to have a relationship and be happy. I think because I had been in a sexless relationship and I didn't feel wanted. And I think I was so scared of getting to that point again, you know? So I was having, you know, they weren't like boyfriend, girlfriend, but I had some pretty intense emotional relationships, you know, and I wouldn't have sex with them because I was so scared that if I have sex with you, 
what if you don't like it or what if it doesn't work and I just fucked up a friendship also you know so I think it did hold me back even though I was going out there and I'm having sex and I'm going on one night stands or situationships but like I was so scared of giving myself over emotionally you know and realizing to me that emotional rejection would have been worse than like oh well it didn't happen therefore I know you won't call me back So I guess in a way, yeah, I was removing myself from the relationship equation because I didn't think, you know, I was worthy of having one if I couldn't have susceptible sex with someone. Yeah, and you couldn't, like, in theory, give them what they want, even if that wasn't, like, their number one thing that they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And again, I think that's why this last situationship was so impactful on me because it was really the first time in a long time that was like, oh, it's emotional and you're attracted to me and we have good sex and like it was so foreign (laughs) to me quite honestly um you know but I think other women if they're emotion first and not sex first you know I can imagine how isolating that can be because then you feel like you can't even give up anything at that point yeah it's like there's there's no there's no right way to go about it Mm -mm. and it's definitely got to be a lot of trial and error. And I think, I mean, I'm obviously thrilled to hear that like in you're in theory, like cured and you're able to have like positive sexual experiences that work for you. Um, and I think I'm sure a lot of that was time and letting like going through the motions and having those quote unquote failed experiences and then learning from them. And I mean, I think it's, I love how you have a list and you have stars where it worked to try and see patterns. Like I think whether or not you were able to find those patterns, I think that that's really like helpful. And I think that that's something that it like, it's all a learning experience and it's not like you were given a handbook on it. And so you kind of took the situation and, and did what worked for you, even if at times it wasn't working for you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I will say other things that work because, right, there's the sex part, but there's also the feeling confident in yourself also, which is hard. But, you know, I teach a dance fitness format. And so um, I remember at my audition, some of the comments I had were like, oh, you have to sink into the sexy moves more. I'm like, I don't feel sexy. How am I supposed yeah. to do that? So, you know, being able to kind of put on this character right in front of anyone when we did have a sexy song you know really helped me get used to my body um I also taught a yoga dance fusion within this format that was doing a lot of pigeon poses and a lot of hip opening moves um Mm because I don't really like traditional yoga I'll do it but I after a while I'm like okay we're doing the same thing over and over and it's I need a little more movement I need more music but I think you know there is science based in those moves that like they help with hip opening. And I think I noticed when I started teaching that format that it started getting better. So there are ways to go about it that aren't just sexual. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I said, dilators is a huge one that helps a lot of people. Um, you can get Botox injections. <laughs> really? And that can what? help with spasming. Yeah. I looked into it once just like why you know let me look into it that'll be easier I don't want to deal with dilators and obviously have it have the need to do so but um I'm not over Botox yeah who figures this stuff out I mean like doctors are like 
superheroes, literally. Yeah. It's insane what, what people have figured out to do with our bodies right. <laughs> to make them work better. Oh, there's yeah. also pelvic floor therapy. That's the other one. And so you mm. actually can go to a therapist and, you know, they'll do, I think it's like myofascial release. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but essentially, you know, you're there and they're medically putting their finger inside you and trying to find your trigger points, just like you would with a massage and not. Interesting. So, um, and it's something that people postpartum will do, which my friend told me, she's like, oh yeah, like you can always go to a pelvic floor specialist after having Uh a kid. I'm like, I don't know why I thought like those two weren't mutually exclusive, you know, but there are doctors that do specialize in it. But I think if you're going to a generalized practitioner, they're not going to know what it is. And I think that's the hardest part, again, is that education and knowing that there is treatment out there. There are ways to be able to have a happy and sexually fulfilling life. Yeah. And I mean, my, before we close out, I wanted to ask like, if somebody, to, like after listening to this, tomorrow gets, or yesterday got diagnosed with vaginismus, what would you tell them? But I think you've just said it beautifully where like there are ways to have a happy and successful and healthy like relationships and sex life. If there's anything else you want to add on to that, that you like, you wish you knew, or you wish somebody told you when you first like heard the term. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I wish I knew more of the steps of what you could do, you know? And again, this was 10 years ago when I first got diagnosed. So I know I got a piece of paper and I never read it, but I think really having someone in your court is so key you know, and I've had, I've had two good therapists to talk about it with, but actually, uh, one of my best friends is a sexual assault therapist. And so she deals with the whole gambit of everything. And so I remember when I first put in a tampon and I texted her and I'm like, I put in a tampon for the first time and, you know, having no judgment or like, you know, I had this situation. It wasn't even a situation ship. It was, we had sex and that was it. But <laughs> the first time we hey, hooked up. it could still be a situation ship. <laughs> that's true. Um, I am like the queen of situation ships. Um, you and me both. I had like pain-free sex three times in one night. And I texted her the next morning being like, I had pain-free sex three times. And just having someone in your court, whether it's a friend, um, yeah, I mean, my mom knows all about this stuff, but I'm not necessarily going to call my mom and be like, hey, guess what I did last night? Mm-hmm. Um, but really having some strong females in your corner or, you know, however you identify that can listen and just go, good job, you know? And I yeah. think hearing that and having that positive reinforcement, whether, again, it's a friend or a therapist, and being able to celebrate those little wins, you know, as painful <laughs> as those lows are, right? As painful as the failures can be, you really do have to take stock in, you know, there are these wins that do come yeah. with it. Um, so I hooked up with someone the other night and it's like, at first it's like, oh, that's a little uncomfortable. And then it was fine. And oh, yeah. I was like, congratulations. Okay. Woo. Great. There's someone I really know. And I'm like, yeah. okay, good win. There you but go. not, you know, really not having any during COVID. I was pretty terrified. I'm like, is my body gonna forget how to do this? Yeah, and that, it that is <laughs> you did mention that when you first emailed me, you were like, I'm you said you were nervous about how rusty you were gonna be and what that was gonna look like for you. So I'm so happy for you that it turned out well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I 
I mean, I love the whole like celebrate the small wins. Um, I think that's something that we all need to get better at doing. Even, even myself, like I've, I've accomplished so many things that I like never thought I would do. But like, even with this podcast, it's like the second something good happens, I'm like, okay, but, but it's not good enough. Like it needs to be more or like, okay, but I got this like negative comment or something. And obviously like, I'm not, not, not to compare the podcast to your vagina, but you know, it's like, it's like really taking the time to say like, there were all of these struggles, but there was this victory. And regardless of what you're going through, regardless if it's like something with a relationship or a sex life or a career or family, anything, I think just celebrating those little victories is like such an important thing. Yeah. And I think what I really appreciate about the unfiltered series now that you've had a few episodes out is that I think anyone can relate to something, you know, as I reached out to, um, Oh, what did she call herself? The one who hadn't had sex because of the church, you know, and I was like, Hey, I think I'm going on too. And I just want to let you know, like, I get where you're coming from, like opposite spectrum, but Mm -hmm. you know, um, or even the HIV, not the HIV, I've been watching posts. So, um, (laughs) The STI one this morning about mm-hmm. herpes, where you know I had a good friend who had herpes, and her conversations and how they went versus how my conversations went were totally different, you know. And mm-hmm. so, I think ultimately, all these experiences are way more universal than you think. So, like, yeah, even if you've never had painful sex before or erectile dysfunction, like we all know what it's like to be rejected for something yeah. out of our control. But we also know what it's like to, you know, hopefully also feel loved despite that. So. Absolutely. Well, that is a beautiful, amazing note to end on. Thank you so much for being open to sharing your story. And I'm, I'm really excited to get people listening to this and learning. And yeah, like you said, I think I think people are shocked at how many topics they relate to that they didn't that they wouldn't expect to. Um, because I think the same themes run throughout. And, and at the end of the day, it's like the best thing we can do is learn and, and learn to communicate about these things and just like understand what people are going through and be more empathetic. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really, really grateful that you reached out and, and were open to this. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Alana. Yay. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for listening and stay tuned for more seeing other people and seeing other people unfiltered.